goes by the pseudonym Bo Snurdly. It's time for the soul of excellence. He is a radio host at 77 WABC here in New York. The Rush Hour is on the air. Rush, Rush. Now here's Bo Snurdly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. The temperature is rising all across the country. There are warnings about the heat, and if you are in danger because of your health conditions, please remain hydrated this week. Please be careful to make sure you have enough air conditioning or that you are cooling yourself off. Of course, the left views all of this as... I guess, proof that man-made global warming does indeed exist. Many of us on the other side call it summertime. So, welcome to summer, and it is a hot one. It's a scorcher in many places in the country today. It is also a scorcher happening politically. The Washington Post, the Amazon Prime Washington Post today has, by the way, James Golden here, a.k.a. Snurley. Thank you for joining us on both Snurley's Rush Hour. If you'd like to be part of the program, 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. If you want to be part of the program, please give us a call, by all means. Now, the Amazon Washington Post today has a few editorial pieces, one by the renowned conservative, and I say that in quotes, and it's also I say it with as much sarcasm as I can muster, Jennifer Rubin, who is an anti-Trump bigot. During Trump's uh, tenure, there was almost every single day it was Trump hate, and that's all you get from Jennifer Rubin. Today, her column headline is opinion. Some good news. Trump seems closer than ever to prosecution. The other, uh, one of the other opinion pieces was written by Richard Benvenisti. He was the chief of the Watergate task force of the Watergate Special Prosecutor's Office way back when. He also served as a member of the bipartisan 9-11 Commission. Now, Richard Benvenisti goes to say that we should take Attorney General Merrick Garland at his word that he's vigorously investigating Donald Trump and the apparent conspiracy, really, that led to the violent coup attempt at the U.S. Capitol 18 months ago. It's funny how these liberals can call a coup attempt now when they look at what Hillary Clinton did, what the Clinton campaign did with cooperation with the FBI and other government agencies to try to, agencies to, try to depose President Trump while he was in office, and they don't see a coup attempt there. They don't see the need to ever follow that through with anything. Anyway, Ben Benisti says his guess is that Garland should be able to make the decision on whether there's enough evidence to indict former President Trump for the crime of conspiracy to defraud the United States and on or related felonies in about six months' time. Benvenisti says that decision should be based solely on whether the evidence is sufficient to convince a jury beyond a reasonable doubt of Trump's guilt, not on political considerations. 
Now, I would just like to say that if they dare do this, this January 6th committee, by the way, may be uh, in the in throes of this, at least in terms of the last of the public hearings. That may happen as early as this week. I have not watched not one minute, I'm proud to say, of these public hearings. I've read about them. I refuse to watch them. This January 6th commission is nothing but a political persecution of Donald Trump, a political sideshow. It was never done with the interest of trying to find out the truth of anything. Republicans were never allowed to seat on this committee. Republican members who would have presented an alternate narrative. This is something that you would find taking place in a third world banana republic, not the United States of America. It's something that you would have found taking place in the good old USSR way back when. This commission isn't even worthy of the imprimatur of the Congress of the United States. Therefore, anything that derives from it is garbage. When you have garbage in, you get garbage out. When you get a one-way trial where evidence is not permitted that disputes the government narrative, it's... It's akin to, and we've seen this in history. You know, if you look at Henry VI's reign in jolly old England, Anne Berlin drew the short stick. Now, a lot of people think Anne Berlin brought it on herself, that she was, how shall I put it nicely, a hoa. But... Yeah, she was fooling around with the married guy, and then she gets to be queen. And then when when she produces a daughter, not the son, the king got, has his eyes on Jane Seymour. All of a sudden, out come the stories of Anne Berlin's infidelities, including it was said at the time that she was um, uh, committing incest with her brother. And it was so lurid even by the standards of today, it would be lured. It's almost worse than looking into the Biden family closet. Oh, and that's one, yeah, where, you know, the brother can screw the widow of the other brother and do all sorts of things. Yes, more lurid than that. And so, of course, Anne Berlin, the high and mighty Anne Berlin, ended up paying for this misadventure with her life. But it was a show trial. It was, a, it, and, and historians look back on it, and I think the, the the conclusion of history is that Henry VIII wanted to be rid of his wife, so he assembled together of court. The court did the the business that they had to do. She was guilty before she even walked in the door, and there's no way that they were going to let her be anything but guilty. Well, we're seeing the same thing happen here in the United States. These people have wanted Donald Trump's political head since before he was elected. We have never 
in this country seen a, have seen a display of hatred like the hatred di- directed at Donald Trump. This January 6th committee, before they even swore their allegiance, had one, in thing, had one thing and only one thing in mind, get Donald Trump. And get as many people close to Donald Trump as you can and destroy their lives. And they have gone about it meticulously. There has never been an interest to serve justice. There's never been an interest to find the facts in this. In fact, the non-handcuffed prisoner, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, noted this week that no one has gotten to the bottom of a very important question. Who let the people in? And she had, this is a legitimate question that Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez asked. Now, regardless of what you think about her, she saw things, and those of us that watch this in real time and remember some of the things that we saw on television saw things. I see we have a call up already about Flight 800. This follows a similar pattern because people are told, never mind what you saw, Never mind what the eyewitnesses saw. Here's the narrative, and we're sticking to it. And if you don't go along with it, you're a cuckoo. Well, the same thing has happened with this so-called J6 committee. They are already determined that Donald Trump is guilty. They've already determined that Rudy Giuliani should be punished. They've already determined that they hate Steve Bannon and they should go after Steve Bannon and try to ruin his life. They've already determined that if they can get Peter Navarro, they're going to go after Peter Navarro. They've already determined that anybody, anybody that was in Donald Trump's orbit that hasn't bent the knee to them and hasn't kissed their ring has to go down. And if you look at this, this alleged accuser, That was Mark Meadows, chief of staff. Before she even got off the stand, there were questions about her credibility and, in fact, accusations that she had lied. And yet, they just disappeared her. You haven't seen her in the news. You haven't seen them bring up the people that would contradict her testimony. And if she's lying, she should be the subject of a perjury investigation and made to prove her so-called truths. So now you have the Amazon Prime Washington Post reaching back to the Jurassic era of scandals, Watergate, with Richard Benvenisti to in effect give Merrick Garland a warning. Hey, Merrick, we're depending on you. You don't have forever. Please get your act in gear and go after Trump and make sure you do. Oh, by the way, hey, Merrick, make it look like you're going after Trump. Not on political considerations, but on whether you think the evidence is sufficient to convince a jury beyond a reasonable doubt. There, What evidence? Evidence is not just coming up with 
evidence from people who have it in for you. You are supposed to be able to present evidence of innocence. And Donald Trump was denied that by this J6 kangaroo court. Anybody that could have proven the narrative of the Democrats wrong was either not allowed to testify or was not allowed on the commission. So I don't care what they come up with. It's invalid. Now, I'd like to ask you a question, those of you who follow politics. And I don't mean, and please, this is a serious question. And I'd like serious answers if we can, not flippant answers, if it turns out that the January 6th commission does indeed come back and say that President Trump was guilty of something or another of this conspiracy, and if they present a criminal referral to the Justice Department, and if the Justice Department says, yes, we will indict President Trump, what should happen? What should happen from Republicans? What should Trump supporters do? What should Republicans in office do? That is my question for you. And again, I don't ask it flippantly. These people are demanding Trump's head politically. If they are able, with this farce, this joke of a committee, to advance that case, and if the corrupt, the already corrupt Justice Department And you don't need to look far to see how they're corrupt. Look at how Stephen Colbert's people, who had no permission to be in that building, were trying to harass conservatives with DOJs. It says, okay, that's okay, just go home. The exact same thing that they have conservative or Trump people in jail for right now. The exact same things. If the DOJ goes after President Trump, and they come up with an indictment, what should be the response? That's my question for you. How should the GOP respond? How should you, Trump supporters, respond? Don't wait till the last minute to figure out a response. These people have it in for Donald Trump, and they want Donald Trump's head at all costs. This is James Golden, a.k.a. Boast Nerdly. We're coming back right after this. They're full of crap. This is The Rush Hour with Bose Nerdly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Rolling Stones bring us back. It's hump day. WABC Talk Radio 77, WABC. back to the uh, Jennifer Rubin column in the Amazon Prime Washington Post today. Uh, Jennifer Rubin says that Deputy Attorney General Lisa 
McConnell reiterated this week that regarding to the Justice Department's January 6th investigation, the DOJ is going to continue to do their job, follow the facts wherever they go, blah, 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 whatever level, and they're going to continue to investigate what was fundamentally an attack on our democracy. Yeah, they could say the same thing about the Russian collusion hoax, but they won't bother to do that, will they? Her comments, says Jennifer Rubin, were encouraging for democracy defenders, as were the department's recent move to seize the phone of Chief Coup architect John Eastman, search the home of Jeffrey Clark, the DOJ official Trump wanted to appoint as acting attorney general, constitutional scholar, and this is what James Golden says, and political hack who has zero credibility for fairness, Lawrence Tribe greeted Monaco's statement enthusiastically. Here's what people have been looking for. That's what uh, Lawrence Tribe declared. It's as close to a promise as the DOJ ever gets. Trump can run, but he can't hide. That's what Lawrence Tribe tweeted. Deputy AG Monaco speaks for Garland on this. They won't let the optics stop them, nor will they let politics lead them to indict. If they indict, it will be all politics. Now, Jennifer Rubin goes on to say that concerns remain about the department's sense of urgency to file charges against Trump because they're building a case at perhaps a leisurely pace. And Rubin and the Democrats want this Justice Department to dramatically accelerate their Timeline. Stop handling this in what they think is a leisurely manner. And then she says the good news is that one prosecutor has gotten on the stick. Fannie Willis, the deputy, the district attorney for Fulton County, Georgia, has sent target letters to all 16 Georgia Republicans who have fixed their names to the faked elector certificate from Georgia and falsely attested that they were duly elected. The DA's office in filing a response to a motion to disqualify Willis as prosecutor, referred to conduct related to possible attempts to disrupt the lawful administration of the 2020 elections in the state of Georgia. Now, a Fulton County special grand jury has already subpoenaed Trump top advisors, including Eastman and Trump lawyer Rudy Giuliani, something it seems the Justice Department hasn't done. She, This woman, this AG in Fulton County, Willis, says Jennifer Rubin, is clearly going after whoever orchestrated the fake electors scheme. Lawrence Tribe said it looks very much like she's pursuing the conspiracy to steal Georgia's 16 electoral votes all the way to the top. Now, I have to tell you something. We should have some concerns about Georgia. Not concerns because there's guilt, but because because Georgia's political apparatus, including the Republicans that have successfully won re-election there, are with the Democrats, all avid Trump haters. There is no secret that Trump would have preferred to see anyone else but Brian Kemp win in Georgia. Brian Kemp won in Georgia. This Secretary of State, this awful, awful, Secretary of State there, who may as well be a Soros Secretary of State. Raffensperger, one. These people 
looked at the at the, the the claims of disparities that took place on election night in Georgia and did nothing to alleviate the concerns of many voters that were watching this from across the country. I will not weigh in on whether what we saw there was real or not in terms of the results, not weighing in on that. I'm saying that what we know is politically the Democrats and the sitting Republican Party in Georgia both are aligned to destroy President Trump. That is what they want as an outcome. Here, this would be the equivalent of having Mitt Romney on the, on the Trump jury. This would be the equivalent of having Liz Cheney on the Trump jury. Do you think that President Trump would ever get a fair trial in Fulton County, Georgia? Do you think anybody that supports President Trump will get a by-the-books fair trial in Georgia? I, for one, have serious doubts and reservations they would. I'm not saying it's impossible. I'm not saying it couldn't happen. I am saying I have doubts whether it would happen based on the level of political vitriol that has already passed between former President Trump and these elected Republicans in Georgia. These elected Republicans in Georgia are the epitome of what many of us think are the rhino class. They have shown that they have very little regard for the views of people that are not like themselves. And this is very, this Georgia thing to me represents a danger, a red flag. And Democrats will try to exact as much political mileage out of what happens in Georgia as they can get. This is a red flag. And do not surprised, be surprised in coming weeks if I don't come back behind this very microphone, that one, and say, folks, we've got a problem in Georgia. Because we could very well have a big problem coming out of Georgia. And that, that's right, that problem could spread. Now, to reiterate, the DOJ is corrupt. It has been corrupt. It was corrupt all during the Obama administration. It was corrupt during the Trump administration because many of the bureaucrats in the DOJ were not swept out of the DOJ. And under the Biden administration, it is totally corrupt, in my view. Come on, man. The January 6th commission is corrupt. It is a hoax. It is a banana republic commission not worthy of being a congressional committee in the United States of America. But yet, there they are in Washington, D.C., doing their level best to destroy Donald Trump, anybody in his orbit. The left is already gloating. They see where this is going. And they're gloating beforehand. The only thing that concerns them is November elections 
come if they haven't figured out how to get Donald Trump. Before the midterm elections, they were a little worried they might not be able to get him. And so you look at what's going to happen over the course of the next few weeks. I guarantee you, things may be moving at a snail's pace now. When we get toward the end of the summer, and you know we start the beginning of the unofficial summer, Memorial Day, by the, we're already in July. You know how quickly August is going to go. And in September, these people are going to be loaded for bear. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurdly, you're here. Both Snurdly's Rush Hour. We're coming back. We're going to take your phone calls, some of them, and weave those into the remaining news stories I want to get to this afternoon. So please, don't go away. Stay with us. And remember, catch it night up right after this show. The Rush Hour is on the air. Attention Ditto Heads. Attention Bo Scouts. Rush. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. Stevie Nicks, voice of Fleetwood Mac. Fleetwood Mac brings us back here at WABC. A dream is appropriate, especially when you're dealing with the land of make-believe. There's a story in the New York Post today that Disney fans are outraged after fairy godmother. The term fairy godmother is being ditched for gender-neutral titles. Disney said it's ditching fairy godmothers for more inclusive gender-neutral titles at dress-up boutiques inside its theme parks. Some fans seem to be uh, less enchanted with the news. Specifically, the Mouse House is getting rid of the fairy godmother title at its Bibbidi-Bibbidi boutiques located in both Disney World and Disneyland. According to an update on the Disneyland Resort and Walt Disney World Resort's websites, the saloons, which give makeovers to kids ages 3 to 12, transform them into princes, princesses, rather, or knights. It's going to reopen. It was closed during COVID. Now, when it reopens, the employees who were form- formerly called fairy godmothers in training they're now going to be called fairy godmothers apprentices. That way, cast members that might not identify as female can still be part of the process to dress up and style the children hmm. without having to refer to themselves as a female Disney character. <laughs> On Twitter, people are reacting. This is a mental illness. The magic is gone, wrote one user. Go woke, go broke. Another Twitter, I hate this world. Birthing people apprentices. Uh, So you'll be surprised to learn too, maybe, according to the New York Times. There is a big battle happening in Argentina. A battle over gender-inclusive languages in the classroom. The city of Buenos Aires banned gender-neutral language in school, and boy, has it set off 
a big debate there. Speaking of things happening in the uh, fairy tale land world, have you been following the story about the two little black girls uh, who were at the Sesame Street thing parade? The big Sesame Street character ignored the two little black girls, according to the mom. And you see this on the video. Go, the, the Sesame Street character goes past the little girls. They're, of course, shocked and disappointed. It looks like the character waves them off. And then allegedly the character went on to hug some white kids or something. This has turned into like World War III. There's an attorney for the family now of the two young girls. They're calling for the Sesame Street actor to be fired. Um, they're rejecting claims, the attorney, B. Ivory Lamar. That would be B hyphen hyphen Ivory. Not hyphen, B apostrophe. Ivory Lamar said in a news conference he rejects claims that the monster costumed figure, the monster costume itself prevented the actor inside them from seeing the kids. That's one of the things that the Sesame Street people said. They're calling on the theme park to pay for the girls' mental health expenses. Mental health expenses. So the girls were ignored by the character, and according to the mother and the lawyer, they have now suffered mental health consequences. And now they're going to need, I guess, some kind of therapy because they were ignored. Mental health. You couldn't just tell your child, oh, we're sorry, sweetheart. We're sorry, sweethearts. They say it wasn't intentional. They didn't mean anything bad. He really didn't see you. They couldn't try to comfort the girls. No, this is a big, big deal now with the lawyers and everyone else involved. I tell you what, we are consumed with all of this stuff. Just today, Libs of TikTok has more. Every day, there seem to be more and more. There's a non-binary teacher that was boasting on what it took to get one child to come out as trans, rather than me try to explain it to you, just listen to this. I've been wanting to do content around this day, which is really important to me as this is my first year as I'm out as a non-binary teacher. Um, but it's hard. It's hard to think how to talk about it and how to make it pithy and catchy and... I I sent what felt like a pretty vulnerable email out to my colleagues, suggesting a whole bunch of resources for each division and offering to come into their classes. And I'm so grateful to the three allies or accomplices who invited me into their class today to read. I just read They, She, He, Me, Free to Be um, to a grade one class and uh, I just read this book to a grade one class and one of the students came out as trans. Um, staff knew she was trans and we talked to her parents last night about me coming in uh, and they'd given it the go ahead and uh, it was such beautiful proof that kids of any age are absolutely capable of accepting anything that they are taught with love because her class didn't bat an eyelid 
Um, didn't bat an eyelid at me not being a man, woman, both or neither. Um, didn't bat an eyelid at her having been born a boy and was, were able to make all kinds of beautiful personal connections. So please, no matter what age your kids are or what age you teach, it is so important that you teach them that trans people are valuable. Hey friends, I'm back after another class still with my lovely N95 redness. And I just wanted to say, it's been such a powerful day. I had another student come see me and make a plan to come out to his class because she hadn't felt confident doing that yet. And so that was really exciting to see that happen and to be able to facilitate that. <sighs> okay, this teacher is claiming that she is facilitating, along with the help from three other teachers, students coming out in the first grade as trans. I find one statement remarkable. Yeah, it's remarkable to think that these kids will these kids can be taught anything that we teach them with love. Exactly. Anything you want to teach them, they'll soak up. Exactly. And you people wonder why some of us look at this and call it grooming? Really? There was another one. And let's quickly go to that second one from the, uh, the uh, this is another teacher, is it not? And here's another teacher in your public school systems wanted to uh, make a video talking a little bit about what it's like being a teacher and being openly queer and sharing that part of myself with my students and my colleagues because it's a really vulnerable position to be in where you're continuously choosing to share parts of yourself with um, your community uh, especially when it's something that you you don't know how people are going to react and you have no control over how they're going to react to the information that you share. Um, and being queer is still a thing that a lot of people are uncomfortable with and scared of. And so they don't understand queer people because they don't see queerness in their communities at all, which is why it's so important to me to be like out in my classroom and be visibly queer. Um, and that's why I wear these earrings and I have pride flags up because um, I think having queer teachers helps students to kind of break down and combat stereotypes that they see out in the world. Um, especially like with me, I don't fit into a lot of like the typical lesbian stereotypes. And so when I come out to people, um, a lot of them are shocked because I don't look like what they expect, right? And so I think having that exposure and that experience of knowing that you have someone that you're interacting with who does belong to the queer community um, and is a real person is really helpful. Yeah, exactly. What is it helpful for, though? Toward what end? Your call is coming up. James Golden is posting News Rush Hour right here on WABC Talk Radio 77. Remember, catch at night up next after this show. Keep it right here all day, all night. Get the WABC app. We stream worldwide. Take us with you anywhere you go, especially on vacation this year. Coming right back after this. Ay, ay, ay. This is The Rush Hour with Bo Snurdly on the Red Apple Podcast Network.
WABC Talk Radio 77. It's amazing listening to these teachers. I mean, when I was in first grade, I didn't know a daggone thing about my first grade teacher. My, t- my first grade teacher's name was Mrs. Crispar. I didn't know whether she was a lesbian or straight. I didn't know what a lesbian or straight was. You know what we learned? We learned C, spot, run. Yeah, but look how you turned out, all well-adjusted and having a radio show. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No, seriously, I mean, you're in first grade. Why are they pummeling these kids with all the sexuality stuff in the first grade? And kindergarten. I wonder if they're doing that in China. Anyway, let's head to the telephones. Kevin in Westchester, thank you. WA for waiting. WABC Talk Radio 77. You're on with James Golden. Snurdly. It's Bo Snurdly's West Shower. What's up? Hey, Bo. Megadittos. Listen, I, uh, I, I talked to you last week about uh, uh, the anniversary of Flight 800 going down. Um, mm-hmm. And I, uh, I mean, it, we spent a long time out there. Um, one of the things that was a little suspicious was uh, uh, they the Navy took charge of everything and kind of uh, – uh, asked all the other dive teams to leave uh, to leave the operation, except uh, except for us, because we uh, we did a lot of work with the Navy uh, in the city. So they were like, you know, NYPD guys know what they're doing, leave them alone. But we were delegated relegated to the perimeter stuff. They told us that you guys are good at finding a needle in a haystack, so we were kind of shuffled off to the uh, outer edges of the uh, of the wreckage while they took care of the main. The main part, and uh, it was just a little like they didn't want us, you know, poking in on the uh, in the in the main wreckage. It was just a little a little strange. But uh, if you ever want to talk about it, you can. Uh, you know, I'll give you. Here's what I want to say about it. You know, <clears throat> uh, Rush was very good friends. He and and they met, I believe, because of the flight 800 with uh, with FBI uh, James Kallstrom, who later became head of the New York FBI and all that, and so. And the word there was everything was, as they said, it was something that sparked the thing. But here's what always concerned me, and what I'll never forget. Witnesses on the scene said they saw stuff going up. Seconds later, they saw pieces of the plane coming down. They saw the explosion. You had all these eyewitnesses, and these witnesses were dispersed, and they all said the same thing. And later on, we're told, never mind what these people saw, never mind what they first reported, this is what happened, and what they saw didn't happen. Now, I'm going to tell you something. I have never believed from day one the government story on Flight 800, and I still don't believe it, and I don't care who believes it. You can call me a kook for that if you want to. And it was, and it was at a time where politically, if that had happened under Bill Clinton's watch, which is where this happened, it would have been devastating politically. So I just have never thought that we got the honest truth on Flight 800 could be wrong. I don't think I am. Kevin, give you quickly the last word. I got to get to some other calls. No, just just for uh, for, uh, for President Trump. I mean, uh, anybody who doesn't believe that uh, Trump should be president again, we need somebody like him to straighten out the mess that Biden's made. Uh, as much as I like DeSantis, I think we need Trump to get back and fix everything. And uh, thank you, <laughs> thank you, Kevin. Appreciate you so much. Hope to hear from you again, Larry in Brooklyn, New York. Welcome. You're on Boston Early's Rush Hour. How are you, Larry? 
I'm doing pretty good. Listen, you know, uh, you asked the question, you threw a question out. What should be done if there is a criminal referral for Trump? Well, I think that when that happens, uh, the proverbial, you know what, has hit the fan. I, I would call on every Republican governor in every red state to, to take the National Guard and grab every illegal alien that crossed the border under Biden in the last two years and put them in detention every single one of them, and hold them there as alien invaders of the United States of America. And let the, and then, then, then the Army would get involved, take the case to the Army about the 13 servicemen that, were, that Biden caused to be killed by a possible act of treason, by giving away the Bagram Air Base to the Taliban when a treaty was not signed with them. We gave them equipment and, a, and an air base. That is arguably an act of treason. That's, those are the steps that I would take. Thank you, Larry. I appreciate you answering the question. I'm going to wait until I answer it until other people. I will raise the question again tomorrow. What should happen if, because it looks like these Democrats are serious about trying to indict Donald Trump. And I'm just going to give you a hint to my answer. We had better not, if they do this, we had better not, better not let this go unanswered politically. John in Ridgewood, WABC, you're on with James Golden, a.k.a. Snurley. How are you this afternoon, John? I'm doing great, Bo. And sad to see, see everything that's going on in this country. I'm a first-generation American. And uh, basically, in my opinion and my perspective concerning where my family originally came from as a communist country, what I see is them destroying these United States by destroying the middle class, the blue-collar, hard-working man and woman that opted to have a job and succeed in their lifetime. And instead, we've got a generation of kids who became activists instead of getting educated to have a job, go to work, and now we got the economy going to crap. And nobody wants to go to work except the hardworking people. The problem is the population is being replaced by immigrants for cheap labor, which is what the gentleman just talked about, with the illegal immigrants coming in. And what are Americans going to do to make money? You know, hmm. They can't start their own businesses because they're low on cash. They're living day by day, week by week, inflation going through the roof. And as far as the election goes... I firmly believe 2020 was robbed, and there's a lot of information out there as far as how 2020 was robbed. Would you mind if I put a request for the American people to check something out? I would because we're running out of time, but you can call back in tomorrow, and let's vet what you want to say. I'm going to be really careful about this stuff because I <clears> – look, my, my take is there's a lot that happened in 2020 that I am ticked off about. I want to deal with 2022, these midterm elections, and 2024. But I'm not saying no. I just want to know what it is before I get blindsided. So anyway, John, look, I appreciate the call. Let's go to Stella in Westchester County. Stella, welcome. You're on Bo Stanley's Rush Hour. How are you? Hey, good. So listen, listening to that teacher was so painful that I actually had to turn off the radio. And the only other person that affects me that way is Joe Biden, because I really do turn off the radio when I hear his voice. The woman made me ill. I just, I just could, I had to turn it off the radio. Like, what is happening to this country, to our world, to our children? I, everything is upside down, uh, James, everything. And I, it's, this it's, is what it's happens when the normal. pendulum, Stella, the, pe- the pendulum is swinging. And so I will say to everyone that feels that we are nearing something that they've never seen before, the pendulum is swinging. It is not going to stay this way, but it is up to each and every one of us to make sure that we become more involved than ever 
in securing the future, not especially for these poor kids. I was just, we were all talking during the break, and we, all of us said, I'm, we're so happy that we are not students right now in this day and time being subjected to all of this sexual talk from these people in the first, second, third grades. Thank you, Stella. So appreciate the call. Elizabeth in New York City. Welcome. You're on Boston Airways Rush Hour. How are you, Elizabeth? My husband was supposed to be on flight 800, and I wouldn't let him go. I said, you are not going on that flight. You are sit down, I said. We were at a restaurant, and all his friends went, and he was supposed to join them. And I said, you're not going. Now, the other thing I really called about was with the liberals attacking uh, Donald Trump. He's got to get a lawyer to poke holes in their argument and uh, look, do what Johnny Cochran did. If you can't uh, commit, you must acquit. Love it. Uh, Elizabeth, let me ask you a question. After TW800 went down, what did your husband say to you? He just looked at me and he couldn't speak. He couldn't speak for about an hour. He went, and then we turned on the radio, and we were, we our eyeballs were on toothpicks all night. Why didn't you want him to go? I just had a very bad feeling. I, I, I don't know. Something came over me, and I'd never done this with him. I stood up. We were at a Lebanese restaurant. He was Lebanese. And all these people saying, oh, Allah, we are going. And I said, you're not going anywhere. Sit down. And I love you, never- Elizabeth. We want to hear from you again. This is just, it's a chilling way to end today's program. Thank you so much. Catch the night up next. Listen, everybody, back tomorrow, Boston Nightly's Rush Hour. Oh, my goodness, what a show. May God bless and protect each and every one of you and your families like Elizabeth's husband was protected. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye. Stand up for your country.